Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Tuesday, uh, April 25th, 2023. It's about 11 o'clock in the morning here on the East Coast of the United States. Phil Giraldi joins us now. Phil, always a pleasure. Welcome here. Uh, Since last we spoke, NBC News, the New York Times, and some others have been reporting that the documents uh, that uh, Jack Teixeira is accused of having leaked to the public were in fact leaked as far back as February of 22 mm-hmm. at the start of the Ukraine war. If this is true, does this reinforce the view held by perhaps you and some of our friends and colleagues that this is a has been a controlled leak? It was not some 21-year-old fooling around with his buddies in a chat room but information that was slowly and deliberately given to him, knowing he would misuse it. Well, I think it opens two doors in this situation. The one is that uh, if this was not something that was spoon-fed with the expectation that he would leak it, uh, then this is an egregious example of a lack of security in our government in terms of controlling what they considered to be classified information. So we got we got that kind of thing to hang on them, uh, wondering how this could have run for more than a year without right. anyone noticing it, uh, unless it was a controlled leak. And um, yeah, I'm very suspicious of that. I don't, I don't see at this point very much uh, in a way of evidence because the, this guy's not being allowed to speak. Uh, odd situation where his lawyer doesn't even, not even hinting at anything that might be in his defense. And um, I'd like to hear more about, you know, what his motivation was and how this uh, was was carried out uh, mechanically. How did they do it? Who gave it to him? And if somebody didn't give it to him, why? what drove him to do this uh, himself? Does the... Um observation that this is totally off the front pages reinforce the view that the government itself was behind the leak. Uh, yeah, it does. Uh, though on the other hand, it could be, uh, it, it could be the other theory that this was a, uh, a total embarrassment for the people who, who run the security inside our government. Uh, and the media might be trying to, uh, give the uh, the government a freebie on this one that uh, they want to cover up the failure to uh, to identify this guy much earlier but yes it could also be the other way that it suggests that the government had a hand in this and the media is doing a cover-up so the government has not denied the authenticity or the accuracy of the documents secretary of state 
uh, Blinken has not discussed them um, uh, publicly. Secretary of State or Secretary of Defense Austin has not spoken publicly since he materially misled, lied uh, to the uh, United States Senate uh, Armed Services uh, Committee. Um, and the press doesn't want to talk about this uh, at all. I'm thinking the government is embarrassed. The government is humiliated. The documents are accurate. They want this stuff to go away and they want to share it to be sent away for 20 years. Yeah, I, th I think that's that's a good way to read it. The uh, This is an embarrassment no matter how you look at it. And uh, we're, we're basically in a situation where the mainstream media uh, will cover up uh, anything that the uh, Biden administration does. Uh, we, we've seen a number of incidents in just the past week where there have been, uh, you know, an, an IRS uh, a whistleblower uh, talking about the uh, um, the, the seeking um, uh, to, uh, to investigate Hunter's taxes, uh, which is being covered up. And there's so many stories coming out now, it's just incredible. But uh, I, I quite agree. This is uh, the media doing its job, which is to protect the government, not were, to find out what the government is doing. Were you surprised at the uh, testimony of former acting CIA director, uh, Mike Morrell, when he threw uh, Tony Blinken under the bus and basically said, yeah, that uh, letter that I orchestrated uh, my ex-intelligence uh, community buddies to sign uh, in October of 2020, poo-pooing the uh, Hunter Biden uh, laptop was done at the request of Tony Blinken, who was a senior campaign official for Joe Biden at the time. Well, the only thing that surprised me about it was the fact that uh, uh, Morrell had the integrity to actually tell the truth for a change. Uh, Morrell has been a, a running boy for the uh, Democrats for a long time now. Uh, he was he famously wrote a uh, piece back at the 2016 election, um, which was in the New York Times. It was entitled something like, I ran the CIA and now I'm supporting Hillary Clinton. I mean, this is where this guy's head is. Right. And so I was astonished that he actually told the truth, which in this case, Blinken contacted him and basically uh, told him or asked him to get together at least 50 former colleagues from the intelligence community on this letter saying that all the stuff about the Hunter Biden laptop was a Russian provocation, Russian disinformation. This was a total lie. There was no evidence for any of that. And this thing came out just before the election, so it could have seriously had some impact on the results. Do, do, do you think that the signers of this letter truly believed it or that they were Republicans who hate Trump or Democrats that feared Trump uh, and they did it knowingly for political reasons, irrespective of whether there was any truth in the letter or not? That's an interesting question because the list of these 50, 51 people includes uh, both Democrats and Republicans. Yes. Uh, five former CIA directors who, who served under both parties. And they, but the interesting aspect of it is uh, they could not possibly have known that this was a, a Russian a disinformation operation because there is no evidence of that. Nobody has surfaced any evidence that the Russians 
were doing uh, a disinformation operation to help Donald Trump and uh, and to 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 denigrate uh, Hunter Biden. So the, uh, I don't know what they were thinking. You know, one of the signers uh, was Mike Chertoff. Mike and I have known each other since we were both young lawyers right out of law school in Newark, New Jersey, uh, in the mid seventies. He went, went on to become uh, a federal judge and uh, secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. He now makes a fortune running these uh, security uh, companies. Why would he? He's, he's also uh, one of the authors of the Patriot Act, one of the great monstrosities uh, in American history. Why would he sully his reputation by uh, getting involved in something like this? Larry uh, Johnson uh, put together uh, photographs of the people who signed the letter, and some of them have false photographs on them because their entire careers were undercover, and he didn't want to uh, expose them. They signed their names, but not their uh, faces. Um, uh, uh, General, trying to think of the name, ran the CIA and ran uh, the NSA as well. Mike Hayden, Michael Hayden, uh, yeah. uh, right, signed the letter. What's with these people that they would do something this political? I'm, I'm asking you a lot of questions at once. Are CIA people political people, or are they neutral patriots until after they leave the agency? Um, they're basically uh, people who want to make a lot of money and have discovered very early on in their careers that by going along with the people who are in charge of doling out money, status, jobs, and this kind of thing are the ones they have to deal with and placate. That's what they learn. And so I'm not surprised at any of this, but I'm just thinking that uh, in this case, probably some of these people that one might wonder about, like Chertoff, uh, uh, probably just hated Trump. Um, that might have been the motivation, because there certainly was enough of that going around. Switching gears, um, President Zelensky um, released a message over the weekend saying the Ukraine could not begin its uh, renewed counteroffensive until Western nations send more weapons, including military tanks and high-mobility rocket uh, artillery. Why would he say that? Why would he make a public announcement like that? Uh, does that type of diplomacy uh, help get him the military equipment uh, he says he needs? Well, that's a, that's a good question. In fact, there have been a lot of people asking why he made a statement like that. There has also been a, a recent report uh, suggesting that he wanted to get some of these advanced weapons so he could attack Russia directly. Now, that would be a suicide for Ukraine. Uh, so you have to wonder why that statement came out. I, I think this is what we're seeing here is a lot of these statements are kind of uh, a poker game where he's uh, he's trying to get more and more out of NATO and out of the United States, uh, and he's 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 playing various tricks. I think to do that, to set up situations or straw men uh, that even the United States might balk at supporting. The United States, for example, um, uh, is somewhat nervous about the Ukraine war extending into Russia. Uh, because the consequences could, of course, be very grave. So well, I, I United, think a lot of that. If the United States is worried about the Ukraine war extending into Russia, uh, it should restrain the number three person in the Department of State, Victoria Nuland, who says that Russian uh, personnel 
Russian drones, Russian military equipment, Russian facilities in Crimea are legitimate Ukrainian and legitimate American targets. Yeah, no. well, I have to agree with you. I think uh, Victoria Nuland should have been restrained uh, over 10 years ago. Uh, the problem is this uh, uh, Victoria is a, is a neocon, and uh, she basically believes in the uh, assertion by force by the United States uh, in, in many global venues is a legitimate right uh, of, of the United States uh, as granted by the Constitution to the President and uh, Congress. I, I think this is nonsense. I think uh, if you want World War III or if you want to destroy the planet, this is a good way to be thinking. She, uh, a lot of us believe she was the orchestrator of the uh, coup, so-called color revolution in the streets of Kyiv and other uh, Ukrainian cities in 2014, where the then uh, popularly uh, elected Ukrainian uh, president, close to President Putin, but publicly uh, neutral, uh, was forced uh, from office. When the CIA does something like that, how do they do it? How do they get hundreds of thousands of people demonstrating in the streets? Well, actually, in this case, it wasn't the CIA. It was uh, essentially the State Department and uh, the various agencies that are attached to it. Uh, the uh, uh, NED, uh, for example, would be uh, the National Endowment for Democracy, uh, would be one such agency working under under the cover of the uh, State Department. But that's a fine point. The United States and, and uh, does a lot of uh, this kind of work uh, using money. Uh, you subsidize um, opposition parties. You subsidize opposition leaders. You you hire journalists who will write stories that are negative about the government going going on there. I mean, Victoria Nuland, uh, insofar as as uh, I've noted, uh, more or less admitted to that's what we were doing, and she also admitted that we had spent five billion dollars over the course of, of a few years to do it. I, I know she took glee in it, but I didn't know that she uh, had actually uh, admitted it. At the time, I think she was an embassy official. Now, of course, uh, she's number three uh, in the State Department. Switching gears a little bit, uh, over the weekend, uh, former Russian President Dmitry Medvedev, so Putin's president for two terms, the Russian Constitution prohibits a third term. Medvedev becomes president. He appoints Putin as prime minister. They change the constitution. Putin's now in his third term after that one term break. So you follow all this math. He's in his fifth term as president. President, Former President Medvedev is the deputy director of their equivalent of the National Security Council. Here's what he said about Poland. The Poles are once again dreaming of restoring the interstate union with Ukraine and revival of the underdone empire, the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth, from sea to sea. Having no intellectual powers for creating a viable image of the future and living up to its reputation of a country toppled over into the past, Poland is drawing inspiration from 400-year-old maps when parts of today's Ukraine still belong to it. Imperial hallucinations are pushing the Polish society into the abyss of severe historical breakage. Emboldened by the current circumstances, Poland has decided 
that the chance to absorb the remnants of Ukraine is to be taken now or never. This is the same Russian official who said the Russian army might have to move as far west as the Polish border. What is this all about? Well, this is a, this is a historical realities playing out. Uh, as you noted, um, or he noted, um, the Polish um, uh, realm that he's that the the Polish leadership is referring back to now is a uh, uh, was 400 years in the past, and um, uh, it it has not been a reality since that time. Um, this is um, I don't know. Um, I made my recent trip through Eastern Europe, and uh, I, I heard a lot of this kind of thing, that uh, uh, Ukraine was going to become a, a, a state that will be gobbled up by its neighbors, and quite rightly so, and um, the Russians, you know, have to be resisted. Uh, yeah, it's, all, it's all like um, people are dredging into their history books to look for justifications. Uh, to try to get something out of this, and I don't think they're think. I don't believe they're thinking very deeply on this. All this kind of rhetoric is very dangerous, and it, it pushes uh, the nuclear clock that much closer. It, it does Poland have its finger on a trigger? Is the Polish leadership champing at the bit to enter the uh, war in Ukraine? I think they are to a certain extent. I don't know to what extent uh, the United States and maybe Germany are trying to restrain them. I would hope that, that they are. Uh, and of course, Poland is in an alliance, uh, NATO, so it can't really act unilaterally in this sense. But the, the fact is this, is, this is the language that's coming out. I think there is a, a reality behind it, and that's very dangerous. So yesterday in New York City at the United Nations, the Security Council, which is currently chaired uh, by Russia, and in this case by uh, uh, Russian, the, the Russian Foreign Minister, minister uh, Sergei Lavrov himself, uh, convened a meeting and said he wanted to talk about ceasefire and peace in Ukraine. Immediately, immediately, the American UN representative, the ambassador to UN, sought recognition and jumped down his throat. Staring him in the eye, she said, our hypocritical convener today, and looks right at uh, Foreign Minister Lavrov, invaded its neighbor and struck at the heart of the UN Charter. This illegal, unprovoked, and unnecessary war runs directly counter to our most shared principles that a war of aggression and territorial conquest is never, ever acceptable. And then she... Uh, and her British and Australian uh, colleagues monopolated the conversation so Lavrov couldn't even begin to talk about what kind of terms would be acceptable for a ceasefire. What the hell kind of diplomacy is this? Well, that's zero diplomacy. They also, they walked out of the meeting too and, and were encouraging others to do so. It, it's, um, it, this does not serve our national interest, and it does not does not serve the interest of Ukraine, or Russia, or anyone. And um, I, I'm just astonished at at how again we get back to the same the same kind of page we started on uh, today, which is essentially I mean the media has huge responsibility 
in not reporting these stories in a way that emphasizes just how dangerous they are to the American people and to everybody else. And it's just, it goes on and on and on, and they get a free pass, and they get a free pass no matter what they do. I, I really wonder if, you know, the, the editors-in-chief of the Washington Post and New York Times, for example, do they really believe in, in, in constant warfare as something that will benefit the United States? I just can't understand where this is coming from. How is the United States benefited uh, when Israeli troops uh, murder uh, Christians and uh, Muslims uh, in, in Israel and, the, and there's no diplomatic, military, or political repercussion? Yeah, well, it doesn't benefit at all. The United States is, is, uh, is basically seen as an enabler of Israel by most of the world, and that's quite correct. And the fact is the Israelis are is just it's a free fire zone against Palestinians in general, uh, no rule of law. Uh, and they have targeted both the Christian and Muslim religions, uh, which uh, some of the Pal which many of the Palestinians adhere to. So it's just it doesn't benefit us in any way. It doesn't benefit the Palestinians. It doesn't even benefit the Israelis. But it's just this, this constant willingness to cover up crimes that are committed by people that are either in our government or are allied to it is, is a disgrace. Is this uh, uh, the result of the CIA and maybe MI6 almost bribing the media, not with cash, but with information uh, and the media printing uh, the intelligence community's version uh, of world events. You, you and I remember when the media used to be adverse to the government, when the media was doing its best to expose the government, to make it transparent. Today, it's almost as if the media is an arm of the government. And if you accept that premise, is this because of the intelligence community? Well, I would not put it that narrowly. I would say that this is uh, what you say is very true. The media is a, a, a essentially a spokesman for government policies all across the board, and uh, this comes certainly to a, to some extent from the intelligence community, uh, but it comes from other players too: defense, defense industries, uh, the Pentagon, uh, State Department uh, plays a big role in terms of contact with actual journalists. Uh, probably more so than, than some of the other agencies. So there's a lot of this going on, and it's just, it's, uh, it, it has, in a sense, destroyed our democracy. Uh, if, 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 if Joe Biden really wants to keep talking about democracy, he'd better look right, you know, behind him, because what's going on essentially has, has uh, corrupted our elections, has corrupted our government, and uh, there doesn't seem to be any way out of this. Is there a, a view in the intelligence community uh, as to whether uh, Evan Gershkovitz, the uh, Wall Street Journal uh, reporter now incarcerated in Moscow on charges of espionage, is more likely than not uh, or was more likely than not spying for the United States at the time of his arrest? I have been told by uh, a usually reliable source that he was indeed in close contact with the U.S. Embassy and would go in to the embassy uh, 
and share information with embassy officers. Now, I don't know if those embassy officers were CIA undercover uh, or whether they were regular State Department, but uh, as I say, that's that's basically what I've been told, that he, uh, whether you want to call that spying or not, um, the Russians certainly do see it that way. If he did that on a regular basis, the Russians would have known it, right? Sure. You have to go through uh, Russian security to get inside the embassy. So uh, he would have to produce uh, identity documents, and they would, if he was going in there every week, every two weeks, whatever, uh, they would know about it. How difficult would it have been for the Russian, I don't know what you call them, FSB, internal security, intelligence community, whatever, to uh, surveil his mobile device and follow his movements? It would have been very easy. Um, surveilling his uh, his device alone would enable them to track him. Um, and then, of course, they'd be getting all of his phone calls and that sort of thing. So I think uh, he was probably quite aware of that. Um, and so there were, were things that he would probably do to avoid falling into that kind of trap. But uh, if he's uh, actually going into the embassy and talking to people, um, that was a, that was for him uh, a risky thing to do. And it's not uncommon for CIA officers to masquerade as embassy officials, just as it's not uncommon for the Russians to do the same here. Yeah, I mean, I did that myself about four times. <laughs> okay. It's not the time for confession. Uh, but, uh, uh, Phil, uh, Geraldi, always a pleasure, no matter what we talk about. Thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me on again. Of course. Wow, if you like that, like and subscribe. And, of course, more as we get it, Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.